So continuing our discussion on reduced oxygen packaging, we're going to touch a little bit on sanitation. Um, you have all the slides with you. Uh, we're going to cover them and discuss and focus on uh, a few parts that are more important that I want to take the message home uh, with you. Uh, mostly because, as we discussed in our previous lecture, there's some microorganisms that the main control for them is through personal hygiene and sanitation. That would be the case of uh, virus, uh, virus and, and infectious disease caused by virus. Not to say that bacterial infections cannot be prevented this way, they could as well, and they are, uh, but um, the main control for any issues associated with virus is personal hygiene and sanitation. So we're going to briefly cover this topic as well. So that's, again, covering our last block here. Um, so what does sanitation means is adequately treating food contact surfaces uh, by a process that is going to um, destroy any vegetative cells of microorganisms that are public, public health concern, reducing them, um, the undesirable microorganisms, without affecting the final quality of the product. So we're going to do that to uh, prevent product adulteration and minimize economic losses. Um, why should we worry? Because um, we want to make sure that we are reducing um, any contamination with pathogenic bacteria. We are eliminating any risks associated with potential uh, virus infections. And when we cook products or process products, we kill bacteria, but we cannot kill an infinite number. So we need to keep those numbers down uh, so we can keep everything under control. The sources of microbial contamination, they can come with a raw product. Uh, they can be seen or uh, be part of your handling, uh, food handling equipment and surfaces. Um, they can come with your employees. They can be in the hands um, or clothing of employees. So that's why personal hygiene is extremely important. Um, and they can also be part of the water that you use in the preparation, washing, or um, cooking of that food. Uh, we want to make sure that we can control contamination in your processing facility, in your restaurants, um, by cleaning and washing over agricultural products, uh, frequently cleaning any food handling equipment, um, use ingredients that are coming from suppliers that you trust, and making sure that the water that you use is also of very good quality. Um, just to kind of get a little bit of a definition here, food soil um, is any visible or invisible unwanted material on food contact surfaces, and they can be grouped by uh, what they are soluble in. If they're soluble in water, acids, alkali surfactants, why does it matter? It's because choosing the right detergent, it's going to matter depending on the type of foods you have in the surface. If you have a lot of fat, you may have to have a detergent that's a little stronger, making sure that you can remove all that fat. And uh, so depending upon the types of food soil, and any food residue that is left in the surface, we call it food soil. To be able to remove them, you've got to choose the right detergent. And sanitizing starts with cleaning. You can't sanitize the surface if you don't clean the surface first. So the basic steps would be rinse it, whatever you're trying to sanitize, then you clean it with the soap, with the detergent, then you rinse it again, and then you apply the sanitizer layer. So those would be the main steps. So the rinsing is going to just remove that food soil that's loose, um, any particles on the surface. You should use a warm water to do that. And then you're going to clean it by removing that food soil with a 
um, so or with a detergent. Um, and you need to make sure, again, that you know what kind of soil you're trying to remove, making sure that your detergent is good for that. Um, then you're going to rinse it again. And then finally, you're going to sanitize. And when you get to the point of sanitizing, now what we're trying to do is destroy any microorganisms that can cause disease. We're going to reduce the microbial load, um, kill viruses. That's what we're actually trying to do when we get to that step. Types of sanitizers. Uh, chlorine, ibuprofen, uh, quaternary ammonia compounds, also known as quads, those are the ones that are mostly used. Uh, in your facilities, which one uh, would you be the one that you might be more familiar with or the one that you're using? Quads and chlorines, yeah. Um, in this particular presentation, we're going to, there are other ones available, peroxyacetic acid, ozone, ultraviolet radiation, but in this particular presentation, we're going to focus a little bit on chlorination on chlorine. Um, but the principles here may, uh, to a certain extent, may not, depending upon uh, the factor that we're talking about, apply to quads as well. Um, but focusing on chlorine, um, what is important to know about it is that the effectiveness of that sanitizer will depend upon how much organic and impurities you may have in your water that you're using um, or in the surface that you're trying to clean. So that's why it's important. So let's just look at this uh, chart over here. So if I have a water that I'm going to be using to sanitize my um, surfaces, and I'm going to put chlorine inside, and I have a lot of organic and inorganic impurities, those compounds are going to grab those chlorine molecules. And this may be there, and you don't even see. And I can guarantee that they will be there. It's just part of the, the nature of the water. Unless you're using a RO water, they're going to be some organic and inorganic impurities. You just can't see it. So they are going to grab the chlorine. Is that solution as it is now effective at all? No. It's only going to be effective when the chlorine is floating by itself because it needs to be able to go and attack the bacteria. If the chlorine is busy binding something else, it's not going to have any sanitizing effect. So let's think of another uh, situation here, where I keep adding more chlorine to that solution. So that's when I have free chlorine here. That now, that this solution now can be used for sanitation. It's a, that free chlorine is available for disinfection. So what are the factors that are going to affect getting to that point uh, of having enough chlorine? The concentration, right? If I don't add enough, I'm not going to have enough available. The pH of the water, organic and inorganic impurities, and temperature. We'll talk very briefly about each of them. The concentration is very obvious, you know, um, easy to understand. If I don't add enough chlorine um, to go beyond that break point where I bound all the impurities and I have chlorine that is free, if I have only 20 ppm as an example, I might be able to kill a certain amount of bacteria. But if I increase that free chlorine, to maybe 50, now I can kill them all. That's just kind of like a visual uh, graphic of how that would work. The fact of the pH, what we know is that the chlorine is better, it works better in an acidic environment, just because of the nature of the molecule. It, it's more active, it can grab the bacteria, it can reach the bacteria and cause more harm if it is on a slightly acidic environment. So if your water is slightly acidic, it's better. It makes that chlorine more effective. We can see that in this chart over here, number of survival bacteria. 
Uh, I can QSUB, may take 30 minutes at a pH 8. If I drop the pH to 6, that same amount of Q or even more Q can happen in maybe 7 minutes. So it, it's more efficient at a slightly acidic pH. However, there is a slight drawback here because chlorine on itself, it's a basic compound. So the more I add to my water, I might change the pH because I'm adding too much of it. So it's kind of like a counter effect. So we need to be careful because the more chlorine we add, the higher the pH becomes, and then I don't get that kill anymore. So we should add enough chlorine, but not above prescribed. How do you go about it? You make sure that you are preparing your solution and always measuring the amount of free chlorine in that water. If it's within the prescribed levels that you should have it, you're good to go. But don't add too much. This is the case that the more is not the merrier. So don't think that, oh, I'm going to keep adding here and it's going to be just as good. No, because you might cross that boundary and push yourself uh, out of the healing um, power of the chlorine. Okay? And then the other uh, effect is organic and inorganic matter. We kind of talked about it, that if you have organic and inorganic matter, it's going to bind the chlorine. But now, let's just imagine two situations, two buckets, because that's what this chart is about. You have one bucket that you have very few organic and inorganic molecules floating around, and you add chlorine, and then you kept adding, and now you have 10 ppm of free chlorine. So you met all those organic compounds, and you have 10 of free. On this other bucket, I have dirty water. Dirty. End of the shift, dirty water. Now I'm adding chlorine, and I added enough that I met all of those, I met the demand of the water, like the organic and inorganic compounds, and I also have 10 free PPMs. So I have 10 PPM free here, 10 PPM free here. But this water was clean water, this water was dirty water. Which one do you think works better? The 10 here or the 10 here? The clean, because now the molecules, the dirt that is in that water becomes a physical impediment for that 10 ppm of chlorine to find the bacteria. It's much easier to find somebody downtown Lincoln than downtown New York, right? So if you have more noise around, you can't find. So chlorine cannot find bacteria, cannot kill it. So that's what the chart is showing, that when you have buffer, pretty much water, um, you can kill it much faster than if you start adding things to that solution. Even though the amount of free chlorine is the same, you just can't find the bacteria. Message home, don't use dirty water. Make sure that all the sanitizing solutions that you're using, it's clean, and once it starts to become soiled, change that. Don't add more chlorine. Not going to help. Dump it, start over. So even when the levels of free chlorine are the same, the suspended matter will physically block the action. Effect of temperature. The higher the temperature, the more the chlorine is active because it can find the bacteria faster. It's moving uh, a little bit faster inside of that solution. But if we warm up too much, the chlorine is going to start bubbling out of my solution. It's going to volatize. That's why when you get closer to a hot tub, you can smell chlorine because that water is too hot. So you want to use warm water for sanitation and cleaning, but not exceedingly hot. 
Just again, go back to the food code and look at the temperatures. It's all prescribed there. What is the good temperature for your water? Don't think that I'm going to warm it up more and I'm going to make it better because you might, again, fall on the other side of the curve. How you make sure that you're doing everything right? By measuring that residual chlorine or the free chlorine. There's little strips that are available uh, commercially that you can purchase and you can measure the levels that you have in your water. Everybody using those? Yeah, I see hands going. So yeah, that's how you do it. And now you know why it's important, right? To have those measurements. How do you choose a sanitizer? You may want to make sure that it kills microorganisms, safe, it's rinsable, don't have any adverse effect on food, compatible with other chemicals and soluble in water. So those are the things. Beyond sanitation, you want to make sure that you're preventing cross-contamination and uh, contamination of your food by keeping your employees health. Don't let them come to work if they're sick. Making sure that they have good employee hygiene practices, using the restrooms, wash your hands afterwards, wash your hands after touching anything that's not food related, no hand, uh, bare hand contact um, with food, right? Uh, Color coding cleaning supplies, the ones that are used for restrooms versus the ones that are used for the restaurant area, you don't want those to cross. Um, Color coding um, utensils, you may have cutting boards for fruits and vegetables, cutting boards for uh, raw meat, and you may want to keep those separate. If you can, it's the best. Organizing food storage, always keeping the Cook products on the top, raw foods on the bottom, so if there's any drips, you don't have cross-contamination in your storage areas. And most importantly, be aware and share, making sure that your um, working environment is doing everything on its power to keep the products safe. Any questions about the sanitation?